What's up, everyone? David James Young here for another week of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for subscribing, supporting. However you are hearing this, it is so, so very appreciated. Very, very glad that you're here. We've got a great one this week. This is with the Spence siblings from Rollo to Massey. Uh, Eva on vocals and uh, James on keyboards and vocals. Uh, this was recorded back in, I believe, around October of last year. Uh, Rollo to Massey were here playing a national tour and they were playing at Rad Bar in Wollongong. And uh, it was a strange experience, actually, because what had happened was that one of the bands had pulled out. I half-jokingly suggested that I could open the show playing solo acoustic, and then their tour manager got in touch and was like, uh, legit, do you want to do it? <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah, sure, why not? And so, yeah, I actually got to open for Rollo to Massey, which was a bizarre and wonderful experience. They were very, very nice people, and they put on a very good show. I got to see them twice on that tour. It was absolutely fantastic. And they were kind enough to take the time to chat to me before the show. I do want to point out that James does a lot of the talking uh, for this one, but uh, don't worry, it's not a, it's definitely not a gender thing. It was a, it was a health thing. Uh, Eva was uh, kind of losing her voice a little bit on this tour, so she kept her kind of talking to, I guess the bare essentials, the minimum, uh, which, you know, isn't ideal, but uh, the fact that she was nice enough to uh, take the time to chat to me and, you know, be a part of the podcast is obviously really, really, really appreciated. And uh, I want to give a big thanks to both of the Spence siblings for uh, being a part of this. It It was a great interview and I'm really excited to be sharing it with you today. All right, before we get into it, just want to remind you uh, to please help out and support if you are a fan of what you've been hearing over the past two years or so. Even if you haven't been listening that entire time, if you're just new to it and you like what you hear and you've gone back, etc., it would really, really mean the absolute world to me if you could uh, help spread the word about this podcast. You can do that by rating and reviewing and subscribing on iTunes. Uh, Dropping a little five-star review could really help boost us and get us out to the right people. Uh, You can also tweet about us on Twitter. (laughs) Where else would you tweet? Uh, You can do that using at B-A-R-B-A-N-D-S-P-O-D. That's Bar Bands Pod. And... uh, uh, yeah, there's plenty of ways to get involved and to uh, spread the word. And uh, yeah, it's it's all very, very appreciated. If you do have any uh, spare change that you could help uh, give to the podcast to cover all the fees and everything that goes into making a podcast like this, uh, I would strongly recommend that you head over to our Patreon page, which is uh, where you can basically throw a bit of money in the chip jar every month. For as little as $1 a month, you can help out and keep this podcast up and running. Every little bit is massively, massively appreciated. And uh, yeah, means the absolute world. So if you would like to be one of my absolute legendary patrons, then you can by heading over to patreon.com slash barbands. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash B-A-R-B-A-N-D-S. Also want to point out that this month, podcasters across the world are helping to spread 
the word to people that might not necessarily know podcasts. Uh, you know, maybe you've got a friend who only knows Serial or, you know, you've got a friend that only knows maybe WTF or the Little Dum Dum Club or whatever else have you. See what they like and say, well, if you like this, you might like this. Or if they've never heard of podcasts and you know what their interests are, be like, well, if you like this sort of stuff, then there's a podcast all about this sort of stuff. Because there is. There's basically a podcast for everything now. Uh, So however you're doing that, please uh, get involved on social media and use the hashtag tripod. That's T-R-Y-P-O-D. And uh, if you want to include all my friends are in bar bands or my other podcasts, Hottest 100s and Thousands, it does not go unnoticed or unappreciated. Uh, Any... Uh, spreading the word about this podcast is absolutely awesome. So, uh, yeah, I want to thank anyone and everyone that has taken the time to uh, reach out and uh, share this podcast with people that might not have necessarily got to hear it otherwise. So, a big thank you for that. And make sure you uh, get involved and and share some stuff around. Check out Tripod, hashtag T-R-Y-P-O-D. All right, let's get into it. This is my chat with the Spence siblings from Rollo to Massey. Today, I would like to introduce you to my friends, Rollo Tomasi. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Very, very well indeed. Uh, introduce yourselves, guys. Uh, my name's James. I play keyboards and do vocals. Uh, my name's Eva, and I do vocals. It is uh, Wednesday night. We're here at Rabba in Wollongong. It is very, very wonderful to have uh, Rollo Tomasi back in the country for, what is this, the fourth? Yeah, you guys right. been out there? Was it Soundwave that was the first time, wasn't it? So we did Soundwave in 2010, then we yeah. came back later that year and toured with a few bands that had done Soundwave. So it was us, yeah. Architects, Comeback Kid, and This Is Hell. What a team. Yeah. Yeah, that was unreal. Yeah, I remember that tour was kind of born under a bad sign for you guys. Like, the second you got here, like, uh, your voice had started giving out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was... Uh... Not the best. I ended up having laryngitis on that tour and like Christ. came back and was just like out of action for a couple of months, pretty much. Oh. I mean, that's bad enough for like <laughs> regular singing, but like, you know, when you're yeah. screaming every single night, I can imagine that would fuck with you in some significant ways. Yeah, yeah. I, we, we still got through the shows like fine, but yeah, it was pretty sick. <laughs> it's yeah. nice that we've been like a couple of times since and I've actually been alright. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Well, how are we doing so far? Kind of around the halfway point, how are we doing? Yeah, pretty good. Like, um, I, I was sick again before we came out, but and I've kind of held on to that, but it's not really been affecting the shows too much. I, like, my speaking voice isn't really there, but screaming yeah. and singing, I've been it's fine. It's been fine every night. <laughs> That's so, so bizarre that like a, like your speaking voice wouldn't be up to scratch, but then when you're screaming, it's fine. Hey? Yeah, I don't understand it, uh, but you know, I'll take it. It's fine. I'll go <laughs> uh, now, which one of you is elder out of the two of you? Me, by about eighteen months. Very well. Okay, well, we start with you then, uh, purely for chronological purposes. Sure. <laughs> um, so I start these by uh, asking about uh, where the interest in music shifted from being something that you were. 
kind of observing maybe, you know, listening to it on the radio or watching TV or something like that to being something that you actually wanted to do, like you actually wanted to pursue. So, I don't know, just kind of take us through your, your upbringing, how music kind of factored into that. So I think the first time that I wanted to pick up a guitar was after hearing All the Small Things by Blue Minute 2 on the radio. Um, when Classic. When that came out, that would have been... Like 99? 99 I think yeah it had been about 11 or 12 yeah. and that, that was the thing that really made me want to learn how to play the electric guitar um, which is the instrument I started on uh-huh. I kind of learned piano a little bit later and then from that I was kind of a bit more sold on rock music as a thing I remember seeing a video on MTV2 for Plug In Baby by Muse oh yeah shit yeah so that was the, the first show I ever went to and I'd, I'd have been 13 was Muse supported by a UK band called 100 Reasons who never really did much outside of the country right so me and a few friends went to that and I just remember seeing 100 Reasons and it absolutely blew my mind and they were my favourite band for years and still remain like a real firm favourite of mine and um are they still together? no no not anymore like they they put out two really great records and then people started leaving and it just wasn't really the same and yeah, yeah, they yeah. like ex- their, their first re- they were biggest on their first record and seeing that band for me that was like the watershed I, I want to be in a band moment yeah like watching the way that they played like the energy the way they moved how good the songs were um, and then yeah I, I just followed them like devout and you know would buy magazines about the tiniest feature in, on them in it um, like seeing them every time they would come anywhere near yeah, me yeah 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 um, and yeah they, they were the they were kind of like a band that just really opened me up to so much more music I remember getting into At The Drive and off, off the back of them because the singer of 100 Reasons had a big afro um, so they were in the reviews that I would like read religiously that yeah. uh, a lot of the time they were compared to them and main, mainly down to that it was the comparison kind of end, ends at the haircut yeah. like I don't yeah. really know why they ever got compared to them because they're, they're nothing alike in the slightest <laughs> but it put me on track the driving so I could read these reviews and be like they sound like these bands and then all of a sudden you know you're going off in so many different tangents there yeah sure and I mean at the time I was just such a sponge for all of it like mm-hmm. just taking everything and listening to any band that anything was being compared to um, so yeah I would probably say it was that either hearing all the small things or watching the Plugging Baby video and then going to see that band play that yeah. was like my in into all of it and yeah. then yeah just I was super studious about it and yeah just so so keen to to get involved and do something that yeah started playing in bands and then Rolo was just it was the second band I was ever in so we did a band yeah, when right. we were like 14 uh-huh. yeah. um, and Eva was in that band as well and one of the other original Rolo members played in that band but it was more sort of like I mean it started out pop punky and then kind of started getting a little bit post hardcore and then towards the end of that we were ready to do something just much much heavier sure, um, yeah. that was more reflective of what we were listening to when we were all about like 16, 17 which yeah, yeah. had kind of like evolved into bands like the Dillinger Escape Plan Converge The Locust and all the th- weirder 3-1-G stuff yeah. and that was where we were kind of at with it at yeah. that point yeah sure yeah. Eva what about yourself? pretty similar to be honest like yeah. we was growing up together we kind of evolved I guess musically in the same way would listen to similar bands mm. always like speak about what we were listening to and what we liked and you know we are in the first band that we we did together yeah, and yeah. then it was really it was like the the others that, that said that they were, were going to start another band and I was like I still really want to be involved in it and started playing keys for Rolo initially right okay um, and we'd been looking for a vocalist for a long time 
I said I would give it a go. Like we tried out a couple of our friends, and then I was like, I I want to have a go at it, and mm. uh, had a practice. But um, yeah, it was very similar. Like Blink One Eight Two, obviously like a huge band. Sure, um, yeah, yeah. For me growing up, mm-hmm. um, and I got into like I guess sort of bands like Alkaline Trio and then did move on to sort of more at the drive-ins like like more experimental stuff I suppose yeah. and then um, just as we were writing again it was just like listening to as many bands as you could yeah going to as many shows as you could afford to I think because we're so close age wise <laughs> we, we had a really similar group of, like our circle of friends growing up were, like totally overlapped yeah, yeah, so yeah. everyone that we would go to shows with that we would talk to about music it, it was all the same people yeah so it would constantly be like oh have you heard this band? No. Like, how about this band? They sound like this thing, and just constantly trading and like yeah, yeah, feeding yeah. off of each other and the group of friends we had at home that we, yeah, came up with like, getting into music with. Mm. Where did you two grow up? A uh, little village just outside of Sheffield, right. uh, in the north of England, called Stocksbridge. Okay. And like, when we, I think another thing that really helped when we were growing up is Sheffield had such a strong scene locally, and there was a ton of like really good people putting on shows just a bunch of peers really like a lot of local bands that were really really good and like we were definitely the babies of that kind of thing for a really long time but there was a lot of older people you could kind of look up to and learn from and that were keen to help and like did us favours and yeah it, it was it was just a good period of time to, to be starting a band there sure really. sure so uh, what was uh, the scenario in which you two played live for the first time? I'm assuming it was the same uh, show you guys... Yeah, I can't think what the first show with our first band would have been. That's it would just... have been maybe one of the shows at the Village Hall. Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. right, we used, to put, <laughs> we used to put shows on. I mean, this isn't even in the city. This is in, like, a, the town where we went to school. Like, not even yeah. town, like, village. Yes. Yeah, so we would hire, like, a community hall sell tickets for like two pounds mm. and there'd be like be four bands play because even though we, went, we didn't go to a huge high school but there was still like five or six bands out of it so mm-hmm. we could put on these little things where just all of our friends that didn't play in bands would would turn up and stuff and like yeah yeah from the from the get-go we were kind of and this is when we were like 14 15 we were putting on these shows ourselves which at the time it, it wasn't like oh yeah let's do this really cool diy thing it was like well we don't know how to get a show, so yeah. we've got to do it ourselves because yeah. no, no one's going to let us play in a bar or whatever because we're underage. Right. Yeah, yeah. And at this point, I didn't. Yeah, wasn't really aware of like a DIY or independent scene. It was more, well, this is the only way we can do it. Mm. So yeah, we'd have, it would have been a show in like the Thurgoland Village Hall. <laughs> um, first Rolo show we did was in a bar in Sheffield, and again, me, me and one of our mm. friends put that on. And we opened the show and got Bring Me the Horizon to headline. I mean, this was... Oh, what happened to them? This, yeah. this was like 12 years This was 12 years, years ago. ago. <laughs> and th- this was just as they were starting to like... I don't even think... I think they just maybe released that first EP. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So this was like that that long ago. And we knew them because we were from the same village as Ollie. And like hung, hung around with them and like went to a few of their... Like we were there for some of their early shows and stuff. So we were kind of like, we knew how popular they were, so we were right, like, right, yeah. if we get them to headline, maybe people will come and see our band. <laughs> and then we got a few friends' bands from out of town to come over and play it, and yeah, it was really, really cool. I think at the time we had about 15 minutes worth of material, so we would just go and play for 15 minutes, and then that would be it. Why not? And that was kind of it for a while. Like We probably played a year's worth of shows with about 15 minutes or 20 minutes worth of music. Hector. Yeah, we would just write more to have more to play live 
for, to begin with. Um, so there was only one band before Rollo, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, n- not worth not worth discussing. There's nothing no. online, there's no videos or anything, <laughs> and yeah. It's... We were just super young. We were only yeah. together for a couple of years, and yeah, just yeah. like... If that, it's like, it like an 18-month thing. Yeah. Like, a, a, so the guy that was teaching me guitar at the time... When I asked him what I should do to get better, he said, just start playing with other people. And he helped us put a band together. Um, like, he found someone that was learning drums from someone else that he worked with. Yeah, yeah. Kind of put us all together and said, you, you should play together, like, learn some covers, do, you know, have a go at writing music together. That'll make you a better musician. So we just did that. And, mm-hmm. so, like, yeah, most of us wanted to carry on. Like, the, the guy that was playing drums for us, he was, he was someone we got on with really well, but, like, he just didn't have enough interest in, in doing it for it to be, like, a long-term thing for him. And he wasn't very good. <laughs> so, yeah. That'll do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Eva, you weren't singing originally. No, yeah. I mean, from the first show I was, but yeah. when we, from our first... When we started, like, before, practicing as Rolo. I yeah. played and, like, a keyboard. Yeah, and I played guitar. And, did okay. and then we were, yeah, actively looking for someone to be the vocalist. Um, tried a couple of people out, but it wasn't... Yeah. It just didn't work, and then, yeah. Did you both do piano lessons around the same time and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've learned piano from when I was about 11 or 12. Um, like, me, me and you have two younger sisters as well, and our mum um, made us all get piano lessons because it was something that she had wanted to do but never had the chance to do it. Right, yeah. So she was like, oh, I'd like you all to learn how to play piano. So we had a piano at home, and like, we're getting weekly lessons for a few years uh, so at what point did things start kind of picking up for, for Roller was it just a matter of like like you said just that DIY initiative of just like well no one else is going to book us so we'll just keep booking shows and see what happens yeah I mean we started when we were in, uh, when I was in the last year of high school and I think the first show would have been that February we, we didn't do too much until the summer so we'd kind of play little bits on and off and then we ended up booking a tour while we were on holiday from school that summer. Wow, yeah. And it was... So we, someone that we'd met, either via MySpace or something, they played in another band, and we just hit them up and we're like, let's definitely do some shows together. We got on really well with them, and we kind of... It worked musically, so we booked, like, an eight-day tour of the UK just just from using MySpace, I think. We were like... Because at this point, we had a demo up, and, like, we were starting to get a bit of interest in people wanting to book us out of town yeah 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 because our whole thing with it was we didn't want to just constantly play in the same place we wanted to get around yeah so like the first like eight Rolo shows or something were all in different towns or cities it wasn't like we played Sheffield relentlessly until we were ready to leave like we made a point of like going to Leeds and to Manchester and just anywhere nearby that was kind of like easily easy to get to yeah because we were quite lucky growing up in Sheffield that it's sort of equidistant from a lot of places that had really strong scenes so it's like 45 minutes to Leeds 45 minutes to Nottingham 45 minutes to Manchester and these are all like big university towns that have the venues and the bands for these things to exist for bands like us to go and get shows and a lot of the time we would just hit people up and say oh we can help you out with a show in Sheffield if you can get us on the bill for this thing that you're doing yeah yeah and that's just kind of how we brought it up Um, just yeah like hassling bands, promoters, until people would give us shows, and then eventually when we yeah sorted out this first tour that we did, because it was with a band who were all older and had been doing it a little bit longer, they then knew more people that right. could help out with shows, so we probably booked half of it, and I imagine they booked half of it as well. Right. And that kind of stuff, that was the tour that took us further afield, like we'd never played, was that 2005 or was that 2000 and, 
I'm trying to think what year that would have been in. Which which the Chronicles tour? That was 2006, I think. Because the London show we did on that tour wasn't the first time we played in London. We no, we did it with. We did the Betsy Trotwood. Yeah, we maybe I'm getting my timeline a little bit confused. Maybe maybe it took us like a year before we did our first proper tour. Right. But yeah, a lot. We would just be playing around school holidays and uh, when everyone had time off. But yeah. I mean, I guess that kind of went on for a couple of years until it reached the point where we'd fin- a few of us had finished studying, mm. and rather than going to university, we decided to kind of take a gap year and to. Just tour constantly, and we have hit a go- it pretty hard for like three years. Yeah. We were like yeah. pretty much touring nonstop after everyone like took their time out. Yeah. yeah. So from like 2007 to 2010, we would yeah just touring, and then we ended up getting signed, and that it was only then that we started preparing an album. Yeah. And then it was I mean we only really wrote the second record because we toured the first one so much that we needed something new to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, none of this is any mean thing when you're considering, you know, you're at school age and stuff like that. Like, well, like, uh, who is who is getting you around to all these places? Like, were you guys driving yourselves or were, like, parents chipping in and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, like, for the first couple of years, our bass player's dad was um, driving us around. Oh, what a lord. Um, and that was mainly when we were studying. And I think as soon as we started hitting it a bit more full-time with the amount of shows that we wanted to do and like the level that we wanted to be doing at we started hitting up people that we've met along the way who yeah, like had yeah. their own bands and stuff so a lot of the time it would just be like the five of us and someone with a van or like a friend would come along and sell merch and stuff but yeah for I'd say maybe for the first 18 months two years when we were all aged between like 16 and 18 our bass players our old bass players dad um, drove us around yeah that's hectic um, so at what point like away from all of that did you kind of get out of the country because that was obviously like a, a big part in the evolution of the fan base you know like having you know being across the world now and you know the, having people here that know the stuff. first international show we would have done we played in France in 2007 after we did download for the first time yeah, yeah. Or maybe that was 2008 that might have been 2008 yeah Obviously, we've kind of been making a bit of a name for ourselves in the UK to a point, or like however you want to call it. Yeah, sure. Um, and, you know, then press starts getting interested and booking agents. And, and I think it was as soon as we got a booking agent, really, and they were kind of like, put, well, and, and labels as well, because the label we were with, they had distribution, really good distribution all over Europe. Yeah, yeah. So like they would speak with us and then to the booking agent about putting us out, out in Europe. I remember we did like, it was like a showcase thing in Holland one at the start of a year. That like a lot of European booking agents and promoters go to, right? And like on the back of that, we like started getting a bit more interest out there, and it helped that the record had been put out there and had been distributed really well, and that like press started appearing. Mm. And I think I think a lot of the fortune that we had was forming a band at the time that we did, um, because social media like just started being a thing around. Yeah, then. yeah, like MySpace. And so like yeah, I yeah. remember when we started like MySpace music pages didn't exist yeah so it's only like a year in when we were kind of ready for something like that that this tool appeared mm. and I mean even like things like YouTube I don't think were a thing then no not yet um, not like they are now yeah, yeah yeah so it kind of helped that these things were like happening for the first time so it wasn't yeah, an entirely sure. saturated market and people did want to like lap all of that stuff up it yeah. wasn't like it was constantly being pushed at you yeah so like all of a sudden you know we've started this band and we've, we've got this page where people in America can listen to our music hmm. and that yeah, sort of thing. Unreal. And, and obviously we start getting messages from people about doing things and this time we'd yeah, just hit everyone up about 
everything and just yeah. re- just reply and like yeah it it was just an exciting time for all of that because yeah. it was everything was just so so fresh and I don't know yeah I felt yeah. like we were reaching the types of people that we are you know mm. the people that mm. were the sponges for it and that yeah, really yeah. wanted to like, like yourselves yeah yeah totally. just take it in yeah I mean at that age too like that is a that's a such a huge age for to, to try and take everything in. You well, know? exactly. And yeah. I, think, I think it's when everyone's most enthusiastic about everything and a lot yeah. more open to new things rather yeah, than for sure. You know, have, having been around for a little while and getting kind of cynical about <laughs> about a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah, like it's that point where you're like, "Fuck yeah, we need to do this, this, and this," and like just trying to make everything happen and not having to consider doing it around work and that sort of thing. Because at this time as well, we were, we'd all have been living at home. So, like, it wasn't too much of a problem to be like, yeah, let's just fuck off on tour for mm. six weeks. Because yeah. we, we can do it. Whereas yeah, now totally. it's like, am I going to be able to pay rent? Yeah. Am I going to get the time off work to to make it happen around it? And, yeah, it was good. I think that kind of early work ethic and just the amount we were playing, is, I think, got us, got us recognised to the on a, a bit more of a wider scale and like yeah. people started taking note in, in that because we were playing all the time yeah um, and I mean you were doing that all yourselves as well like so when other people started getting involved did you kind of feel like those like original DIY ethics were kind of being compromised at all was that like obviously that's something that like young musicians in particular are very kind of adamant about and very pride themselves on you know I think we, we were very careful in choosing who we worked with and we would always have the final say on everything. But I think with the ambition that we had at the time, we'd reached a point where we wanted other people to be involved with it. Yeah, And sure. to kind of help us make a bit more of a step forward with it and to kind of... We looked... There was a, We were kind of like a, like a lot of peers that we looked up to that we were like, yeah, we. I would like to see our band do... operate and be at the level that that band is at. And I know that to do that we have to have things like a booking agent and a label and people behind it to kind of help with the inner workings of it. I mean, it's only really been... And I think then, you know, as you, you go through that kind of process and you have bad experiences working with certain people and you see how certain things work, that it was like, hold on, maybe we did give away a little bit too much control on certain things. Yeah, and sure. You live and learn with it. Well, exactly, yeah. It's totally. just something that, like, most bands probably go through. Yeah. You just have to find what works for you. Mm. Yeah, and, and I mean, definitely in the last four or five years, and, and having worked in music as well, um, like in the industry side of it, I've definitely wanted to just reclaim as much as possible and be a lot more hands-on with everything. I mean, we never really reached the point where... Well, we know we didn't reach the point where decisions were being made on our behalf. Like, yeah, yeah. We've, I've always had like a real firm control of everything just because I'm... We're just a total control freak and need to know exactly what's going on and want the final say and don't want to be misrepresented. And like I said, yeah, we just we have a good team of people around us at the moment that act on our behalf. They know that they're yeah, they're doing it on our behalf and we have the final say and everything. Yeah, 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 sure. One thing that I've found with with a lot of bands that you know start super young, like they have like there's a there's a moment where something clicks for them or like a, a certain show happens or like an event happens and you know they all just think to themselves after spending so many years you know at it they're just like we've made it you know like do you think you've ever had that kind of moment like with a like a scale of performance or anything like that we've looked down and been like fuck you know we've done it 
probably come to the for me it was the first time we came to Australia and doing Soundwave. Yeah, I was just yeah, like, what I remember the, that. Like, yeah, what is this? Yeah, it that was pretty yeah. like. I couldn't believe we got that far away and also that we were playing this incredible festival with yeah. like amazing bands and that was like a pinch yourself moment like totally. is yeah. this real have we yeah. actually got to the other side of the world like the first time we did like a major festival in the U- in the UK was kind of like that was one of those like what the fuck like um certainly Leeds Festival we did that in 2010 as well I mean it's a little while ago now but that was something we'd grown up going to and like always kind of had dreams about getting to play it and then getting to do it and like remember because we were the first band on one of the on like the second stage on the first day and um we were setting up and like getting ready to play and stuff and there's a few people coming in and it's like 10 minutes before we go on and like there's not really many people there so you walk off because you're ready Mm. and then walking back out and there's like well, about 10,000 people there. That was so nice. And that oh, was like hairs on the back of your arms kind of thing. And It's like a stage that we'd like watched bands play for the past eight years or yeah. something. We'd been going to that festival yeah, consecutively. Yeah. So for us to be doing that, that was, yeah, pretty nice. Well, I can imagine. And just like other things like getting to, pl- just getting to play with bands that you like. Um, like we got to support Dillinger Escape Plan. Yeah, yeah. And again, like, they were one of the reasons we so- started the band. Mm. And like, you know, getting to play with those sorts of bands because they want you to be on the bill yeah like that yeah did you guys play with Jane's Addiction as well first time we came here yeah. Fucking yeah. Hell. <laughs> if you're gonna get thrown in the deep end you might as well be with Dave Navarro right yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that was like yeah part of that Soundwave tour that was, it was just them and us yeah. there was no other support it was just us and Jane's Addiction playing in like theatres Crazy. Was that kind of confronting? I mean, I I'd, I'd never really listened to Jane's Addiction. I think they were kind of like from a different generation of bands sure, that just passed yeah, me yeah. by. Yeah. So like, while I knew this, you know, how big they were, and yeah. that it was a big deal, we were doing it, and the size of the venues, it was just just felt odd. You know, we were playing these like glorious theaters yeah. again, which is something that we just hadn't really done before, and like shows that had been long since long sold out before we we were added to the bill. Yeah. So it was kind of a bit like, okay, we're going to go and play to a lot of people that don't know who we are, that probably aren't going to get it. Um, but that was, I don't know, that kind of made it more exciting in a way. Yeah. <laughs> and indeed, like, uh, the every time you guys have been here now, like, uh, there's been, you know, A, more and more people that have come through to, to see you guys. and But also, you know, uh, you two have kind of been the sole constants of the band. You've had kind of people coming and going, particularly in the last couple of years like uh uh when when you're starting out you've got such a you're young and you've got that super clear motivation like we were saying like that super DIY just like yeah we're just gonna do this all because we can you know like uh so many years on now like uh what has kind of kept you guys going with this band like do you feel like the motivation is kind of changed from when you started out or do you feel like it's still kind of in that same ballpark definitely in the same ballpark I mean when we started it was more just about touring and we would write music to go on tour again yeah whereas now like I've definitely got for the over the last two records in particular I've gotten way more into the creative process and just knowing that it's the music that's going to outlive everything yeah you know people's memories and nostalgia can kind of get just affected you know you can remember something as being one way and it well maybe yeah, nostalgia changes your memories I think is that, yeah what I was yeah. trying to say yeah yeah 
So it's it's easy to be like, oh, I remember that band? They were great, like whatever. But the the records are going to outlive any all of it. Yeah, totally. Um, and with that in mind, yeah, I've just put a lot more pressure on myself to get better at being a musician, get better as someone that writes music. Yeah. And and it's just become yeah way more about that and. At this point, just making sure that everything we release is better than the previous record. Sure, yeah. Um, and just more, we're, we're challenging ourselves to make better and more interesting music. Um, and I think that is doing it for the right reasons. Like, yes, yeah. yeah. Like you, you know, you're saying about yeah. The re- yeah, I just I just want to make good music. Yeah, and you know, touring is something that happens after that which is great because we still love touring and playing shows but now I want there to be a separation between the studio stuff and the live stuff whereas you know in the past it was always about making sure we could play everything live or like trying to capture the live show in a recording but I'm so far away from that now like I want to make studio albums where it sounds like as glorious and rich and and huge as possible and then we kind of work out doing it live afterwards Yeah, and you know sometimes that means writing pieces of music that will never play live but it doesn't matter because it's about the music yeah totally is that kind of a, a similar thing for you like uh, has that kind of changed for you over the years yeah absolutely like I yeah I do think when we were younger we started writing music it was more about just getting to play as many different places and being able to perform but yeah after a few records it is just more of that is what's going to last I yeah. think that's kind of been something that we all um that all like came sort of an epiphany to us that we just wanted to make sure that we left something good. Yeah. Well, I think that you have thought as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll wrap it up here, but before we do that, I ask this of all of my guests, and now, Spencer, it is your turn. I want to know about the best and worst shows that you have ever played. There's that show we did in Middlesbrough, everyone was throwing coins at us. Yeah. That was yeah. pretty terrible. Oh, coins, coins at you? Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. That was pre- we played this as like a free show in like. It's a free festival, yeah. citywide in this part of, in the northeast in the UK. Which it's not, no, it's not too rough there, mm. but it doesn't have the best reputation. Doesn't have the best reputation. Yeah, you know, it's when it's a free festival and you've got like anyone out in the street drinking, and they kind of came up and stumbled across our band, they just kind of took exception to us and started throwing coins. Jesus at us. shit! So bad. Um, but I feel like there is there is definitely one worse than that. At least you got a bit of money out of that one. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I think every band probably has a couple of stinkers. Oh, you've I'm just got trying to. to think of what is like the worst. I'm trying to think what I would say the best is as well. We've done some really really good shows recently. We did some really good ones on the last UK headline tour, the November one, for the first one for grievances. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Yeah. The Glasgow show for that actually that is definitely up there. In, I would say my top. Three. Where did we play? Stereo. It was just the crowd. Oh was yeah, that was amazing. Insane. That was really great, and yeah. the, and nice and sleazies as well when we played there in Glasgow. Like Glasgow is pretty good. In, yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was really cool. We always have a good time there. That and like the Leeds Festival show I mentioned earlier, definitely. Yeah. Oh sure, yeah. It stays yeah. out for me just because of what it meant. Yeah. Um, that was really important. Yeah. But yeah. And in terms of worse, um, yeah. Um, I mean, certainly in terms of being more memorable, the first time we did Black Choir was absolutely insane. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't the best performance and it was chaotic as hell, but it just is. <laughs> it was, that was maybe the most fun show I've ever played. It, may, it wasn't like the best in terms of like being tight and that yeah. kind of yeah. thing, but it, that was maybe the most fun I've 
had playing because it was just kind of block out a lot of the bad ones though yeah that's what we're sure. saying about this nostalgia for like being in a band and touring it's like you only remember the good bits oh yeah totally yeah. totally we, oh we played some fucking terrible shows the first time we went to Russia actually oh yeah um, Shell Yabinsk we drove for 30 hours to get to this place oh dude and it was like the, straight uh, yeah yeah, yeah. It, was, it was the worst show on the tour by yeah. so far it was so bad um, yeah that's definitely up there yeah that, oh my god because that was just yeah. like you were so good in every sense of the word because we travelled so long and mm-hmm. the show was bad and we were all just like so tired and downtrodden yeah. and, like, it was one of the only trips I've ever been on where like I wanted to go, wanted to go home like halfway yeah. through it oh, man. but I was glad we stuck it out because it was one of those where afterwards we felt that if we'd, if we'd done that so we could tour anywhere and it would be mm. okay because yeah there was some brutal low points on that trip yeah. <laughs> yeah it was rough but like you say it's like you just remember the good stuff even looking back on that tour now I'm just like I'm so happy that we did that and yeah. it was really it was a really fun yeah like time and like just a good experience to have even had um, again the most but then you think of like, yeah. some of the points on that tour were just like Fuck. The Moscow yeah. tour on that, um, sorry, the Moscow show on that trip we mentioned that as well. Again, was insane. Like yeah. we'd never been there before. Didn't realize we had any interest in Russia. And we played like must have been about three or four hundred people. And it absolute as soon as we started playing, it just went off. Um, that is wild. And at the time, yeah. it was like more. We played to more people than we were playing to in in England. Yeah, um, nuts. which was re- like a yeah, that was like a watershed moment kind of thing. Summer two thousand eleven. There's been yeah, there's been some very very good times and some not so good times. But <laughs> we're in a really good place at the moment. You know, yeah. still yeah. feel like steadily building. Still have all the all the enthusiasm for making music that I've ever had, and just just want to keep improving. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Alright, uh, do you two have anything you would like to plug or spruik before we uh, get on out of here? just want to say thank you to you for having us. Thank you to Australia for always being so welcoming uh, to us as a band. We, look, we do love coming here. Mm-hmm. And it's like yeah, it's a real privilege to, to get to come back again. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's a pleasure to have you back as always. Thank you. Rollo, thank you so much for being a part of this. Really appreciate it. Yes. I'm David James Jones and all my friends are part of this. This has been a David James Young Writes production. For more information, visit davidjamesyoung.com.